0: And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just swim, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we welcome you to the month of March. We've turned to March on Raider Nation Radio. And I have a feeling it's going to be an epic month of March. I am very optimistic. I am very excited on a lot of different fronts, even more so than sports. There's going to be a ton of Raider news. There's going to be sporting events and events opening up here in Vegas. And I'm telling you, I feel great about the month of March as we kick it off here, and I hope you do too. We got a lot to cover today, brought to you by PT's, the best happy hour in town. All of their promotions in March around the Vegas Golden Knights and their True Rewards card. They have a VGK Special Edition True Rewards card the whole month of March while supplies last, a whole bunch of great promotions. And get this, we're gearing up for St. Patrick's Day, Wednesday, March 17th. All the taverns, including Sean Patrick's $6 beers and shot specials and the choice of Sean Patrick's Red, which is amazing. Or oh, the Wallaby IPA, shots of Screwball, peanut butter whiskey for six bucks. Hey, we're gearing up with PTs and all of our great, great, great partners there, at all their properties as we get you ready later on this month for a great St. Patrick's Day. So look at here, JJ Watt is an Arizona Cardinal. Wow, what a blockbuster deal! I got a lot to say on this, and I want to hear from Raider Nation. Because Raider fans, this is another topic that I appreciate or demand that you comment on in some way. You'd like to call 702-365-9200. You want to tweet? At JTTheBrick. Facebook? At JTTheBrick. Just give me your opinion on this. Because every single Raider fan should have an opinion on this. We had a blockbuster interview with David Irving last week that really went viral because of what David Irving said. And he's coming in. He's a badass. He can't wait to prove himself. A lot of people liked that interview and reached out to me and listened to it. And it was David Irving. He's no J.J. Watt, right? The guy was out of the league and he wants to be a Raider. And now everybody's excited about him because he's a badass and he sounded like a badass on this show. J.J. Watt is a real badass. He's one of the greatest football players in the 101 years of this sport. No debate. NFL Man of the Year, sack leader, three-time Defensive Player of the Year. He is super elite, super elite, and he chose Arizona. Really? I just got back from Arizona. I was there the last three days, went on a college tour with my son. I got a lot of Arizona in me just getting off a plane yesterday, and I saw a lot of Arizona. And I understand why J.J. Watt might like Arizona, but he shouldn't have liked Arizona more than Las Vegas. He shouldn't have liked Arizona more than Buffalo. He shouldn't have liked Arizona, the football team, more than Green Bay. I mean, that's obvious. So why did J.J. Watt go there? Well, we don't know. Adam Schefter didn't know. Jade Glazer didn't know. I often tell you that I do a radio show before this, every night, 7 to 10 nationally. So when this show ends, i got to get ready for that second show. And last night I was on the radio, 8 to 11 p.m. on Sunday nights, and not a whisper on J.J. Watt. Not a whisper. Nobody, nobody whispering. How could you not be whispering this? Where's Peter King? Where's Jay Glazer? Where's Adam Schefter? Where's Mort? Where's everybody? How come no one had this? Nobody knew? Then J.J. Watt puts out a tweet of him uh, doing squats with an Arizona Cardinals shirt on and says, source me. Wow, what a gangster move by J.J. Watt. He didn't give it to Ian Rappaport. He didn't give it to Albert Breer. He didn't give it to John McClain who's one of the best journalists in all of football in Houston. Longtime friendship there with Houston. Didn't give it to anybody. He owned it. He said, I'm the source. I'm the information. I'm not letting someone break this story. And he's going to Arizona. So we don't have any details of the deal other than the guaranteed money that's out there. And we're trying to put together why he chose Arizona. So that's the topic. Why did he choose Arizona over the Raiders? I don't know. Both teams were 8-8. Eight one team plays in the entertainment capital of the world with no state taxes and a brand new stadium. And they're both eight and eight teams. Why did JJ Watt not pick the Raiders or another team? I don't think the Raiders gave him an offer, which is probably the right answer. JJ will tell us all about this. I don't know if the Raiders kicked the tires or not. I don't know if the Raiders thought he was a perfect fit, but the Raiders definitely felt that, you know, a guy, I think a really good player. And Jason Witten at the end of his career was worth some money to be a veteran. A lot of Raider fans think Richard Sherman is a player at the end of his career. He deserves a look, which I agree with. But I like J.J. Watt, and I think he would have been the perfect Raider because I still think he's got juice left. And what you're going to hear traditionally with the Raider Nation is what the Raiders do, which is not a knock on the Raiders. It's just obvious. No one's talked to more Raider fans than me in the last 20 years. I know the Raider fans on radio. I know him better than anybody, and I can tell you this. The Raider fans are going to now say, oh, he's got nothing left. He was going to get hurt. He's not the player we want. He he can't get it done anymore because that's going to be the knee-jerk reaction, that he didn't pick the Raiders, so there's something wrong, and he must not be a good player. That's not the case. He either chose not to choose the Raiders because he, A, didn't get an offer, which is fine, and the Raiders didn't want to overpay for him, Or he chose Arizona for a number of reasons. Chandler Jones on the defensive line. Kyler Murray as the quarterback. Great opportunity to play with his former teammate, DeAndre Hopkins. So there's a lot of reasons why he chose Arizona. Most importantly was the contract. The contract is enormous. They're giving J.J. Watt a two-year, $31 million deal, which includes $23 million guaranteed for the first two years of that deal. That's a lot of money. Now, if the Raiders didn't pay Carl Nassib some of the money or Malik Collins and a couple other players that our friend Vic Tafer included in his column calling them a bust, a bust those players, would that have freed up more money for J.J. Watt? Probably. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't pay for Tyrell Williams to get hurt and you don't pay for a couple other guys, you know, you don't pay Littleton. What did Littleton do for this team? Anybody? If you could have saved the Littleton money and gave some of it to J.J. Watt, then I think it makes more sense. But the Raiders have salary cap issues that they have completely under control and are getting under the salary cap with the release of some players. So they'll be okay. And the big picture is they didn't get J.J. Watt. I'd like your opinion on why they didn't get J.J. Watt, or if you thought that J.J. Watt would be a good fit in Vegas, because I have the hook to the story here in the monologue. He chose an 8-8 eight eight team, and Raider Nation, you're 8-8. Eight eight. Right? Isn't that the whole story? J.J. Watt chose an 8-8 eight eight team, and Raider Nation is 8-8. Eight eight. So you can't tell me he went to the Packers because they're the number one seed, which I thought he'd go to the Packers. Then you heard about Cleveland making a big run. Buffalo seemed to be a, I mean, Buffalo's a much better fit, not quality of life in the winter. But Buffalo's a much better team, I think, than Arizona. They went to the AFC Championship game. Now, what an addition he would have been to Buffalo. But everything comes back to the Raiders from noon to two on the flagship station. So this is a very, very, very important flagship radio conversation to have. This is how we stay in business with our partner, the Raiders, and our partners who are our advertisers. I mean, if we can't get Raider fans to discuss why J.J. Watt isn't a Raider and he's a Cardinal, then I don't know what I'm doing. Then I have no idea what I'm doing, and I'll get out of here. I have no idea because this is the perfect topic for the Raider Nation. He chose an 8-8 team in a tougher division, in the toughest division arguably in football, with the Rams, the Seahawks. We know how good. I mean, we know when we look at this division and you look at the Niners, they just went to the Super Bowl. So J.J. Watt took probably, I believe, the toughest road to just get to the playoffs by going with Arizona. They're either going to win the division or they're going to be barely a wild card. It's one of those things. I mean, Raider Nation, I think you all agree, most of you agree, that the Raiders aren't going to win the division over Kansas City. Even though they can beat Kansas City, they're most likely not going to beat Kansas City and win the division. So the Raiders in the short term, over the next year or two, and hopefully no more than that, the Raiders are playing for a wild card. And J.J. Watt could have came to the Raiders for a wild card. He could have went to Buffalo for the division. He could have went to Green Bay for the number one seed overall and get a bye week. That's what Aaron Rodgers just got. But he chose the Arizona Cardinals. And, again, as I just got back from Arizona this weekend, I'll throw a little bit more kerosene on the fire for you if you don't mind. The Arizona Cardinals are a geographical rival with the Las Vegas Raiders. Arizona, right next to Las Vegas, we're competing for the same fans. The Raider Nation has a much bigger fan base than Arizona. Uh, Give me a break. The Raiders are global. But there's a lot of fans in the southwest part of the United States That want to be Raider fans, and they want to be Cardinal fans. And they're making that decision. And J.J. Watt now with DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Chandler Jones, they have a really good team to get some eyeballs on them and to develop some new fans. Arizona has a bunch of of big, big, big markets that are exploding, college towns, U of A, ASU. They got a lot of people from out of town coming in there. A lot of people are living there because it's an economic boom town for real estate. If you can put up with the heat, but we're dealing with the heat here also. And a lot of football players train and live out there. A lot of professional athletes live in Arizona. I was at a restaurant on Friday night, and the biggest human being I've ever seen in my life, ever, not even close, Calais Campbell was leaving the restaurant as I was coming in with my son and a friend of mine, and he's the biggest human being I've ever seen. I guess he lives out there, and he's training out there. And there are a lot of athletes that love Scottsdale, Tempe, Phoenix, and they live there for an array of reasons. All I've told you for the last couple of weeks, all I've told you, one thing on J.J. Watt, I want the presentation. I want the Maverick helicopter. I want the helicopter flying over the strip. I want J.J. Watt in the helicopter. I want it to land at the stadium. I want to see big video boards out there welcoming J.J. Watt to take a look. It didn't happen. Because J.J. Watt went quick, he made his decision, and he will not be a Las Vegas Raider. Is it the end of the world? By no means. I'm not making it out to be. Would I have loved to have seen J.J. Watt as a Raider? I would have loved to have seen J.J. Watt as a Raider. No debate. I have a stronger opinion than most. I would have loved to have seen J.J. Watt as a Raider in Las Vegas on a two-year deal for a little bit less money, but the same ballpark as this. One of the greatest football players of all time was available in free agency, and the Raider Nation, the fans of this flagship station, need answers on why he did not pick Las Vegas, which he will say eventually, and how far did the Raiders go kicking the tires with him, which no one seems to know. I don't think the Raiders are going to come out and tell me or you or anybody that they really wanted him and they lost out on him, because I don't think that was the case, because they're trying to get under the salary cap And maybe they don't think a veteran edge rusher is that important to them at this time. But I was really hoping that J.J. Watt would have been on the local news. Chris Matthews, Kevin Bollinger, Vince Sapienza, one of my friends, Amber Dixon, would have been doing a stand-up. And J.J. Watt was spotted in town. He was somewhere. Someone heard about it. And he was looking and doing his due diligence with the Las Vegas Raiders. That didn't happen. So he's not a Raider. He's a Cardinal. And I'd like to hear from the Raider fans about what you think. What message does this send to you now going forward on the really big hook on why the Raiders moved here? The Raiders moved here for a better economic environment than they had in Oakland. Much better. The Oakland economic environment was a a disaster. It's a disaster for the Oakland A's. It's a disaster when the Raiders were there. It's a mess. The Warriors are gone. So the Raiders come to Vegas for an economic advantage. Mark Davis has provided that economic advantage with a new stadium, a new facility, all the opportunities to recruit free agent players and go get them. And J.J. Watt is not one of them. And I don't fault anybody for that. It just would have been exciting to get J.J. Watt because I think J.J. Watt's got something left in the tank. He's a great player. I think he's going to play. All the games, I think when he's healthy, he's going to have a long offseason to get healthy. And now the Arizona Cardinals really have an interesting team. A very good team. Very similar to the Raiders. I think we all agree that the Raiders are better than 8-8, right? They should have been 10-6. They should have tripped over the second half of that schedule and been 10-6. Same goes for Arizona. I think they're better than 8-8. I think they're a 10-6 team. So when you ask me, which team mirrors the Raiders in the NFC? I would say it would be the Arizona Cardinals. Very similar. Newer Stadium hosting Super Bowls. A fan base there that is a part of a big sprawl. They've had a little bit of success with Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald going to a Super Bowl. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals have been to more Super Bowls than the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, you don't go to Arizona to win. You don't go to the Clippers to win. But Kawhi Leonard and Paul George went there. I want to know what it's going to take for free agents, who I believe, as John Gruden told Howie Long a year and a half ago, that he talks to players and they want to be Raiders. And I want to know if J.J. Watt wanted to be a Raider or not. Raider Nation, this is a massive free agent signing in the region where the Raiders are. I'd like your opinion. Are you good with this in Arizona? Are you disappointed the Raiders didn't get him? Are you cool moving on and going and getting someone else, a specific player that you have lined up, 702-365-9200? I mean, we've been, we've been sounding like a podcast here because I think people need to know. We got a lot of interviews. I got a lot of interviews today. But we need fans to pounce and get on these topics here and get it done right here in Vegas from noon to 2. Let's hear from you. All right, I want to move on to what I think is the other big topic today that everybody's talking about, and that still remains Russell Wilson. And where do we stand on Russell Wilson? And will Russell Wilson potentially be a Raider? Pro Football Focus put out a hypothetical trade. They put it out on the 26th of February. And it's got a bunch of likes and a bunch of tweets. But here's the hypothetical trade. Russell Wilson to the Raiders for Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs, the 2021 first round pick and the 2022 first round pick of the Raiders. So, again, this went up on Pro Football Focus. They put it out there and they put an alert and said hypothetical trade. Russell Wilson comes to Vegas, Carr goes to Seattle with rugs, and they get two first round picks, one in each of the next two years. Is that a deal that the Raider fans would do? I don't think that deal is happening. I don't think it's a good idea. I'm a car guy. I think Carr in his fourth year, once again, I keep sounding like a broken record. I think that Derek deserves one more year, one more year under contract with the Raiders. If the Raiders redo his deal and it's a two-year deal, okay. But it's go time for Derek Carr. And it was last season, and Derek stepped up and played really well. And he played hurt at the end of the year and stayed on the field, put up really good numbers, was a top-ten quarterback. And I still think that Derek, in the absolute early part of the prime of his career, Russell Wilson's a better quarterback on paper, but I don't think he's that much better than Derek Carr. I think Aaron Rodgers is a lot better than Derek Carr. I think Patrick Mahomes' ceiling is much higher than Derek Carr. I'm a Kyler Murray fan. I think Kyler Murray's ceiling is enormous. We've seen Lamar Jackson, but when we look at Russell Wilson, is he better than Derek Carr? to the fact that you would trade Wilson and Carr straight up but have to throw in Rugs, a high draft pick, along with two more first? No, I wouldn't do a deal like that. But he picked Las Vegas as one of his cities that he'd be interested in coming in. So that's why we have to address this. If Russell Wilson did not choose Las Vegas as one of his destinations, you wouldn't hear a peep out of me. Why did he choose Vegas? He only chose four teams. New Orleans, Chicago, and Miami? But Vegas jumps out. As I've told you, I said it last week, I think this is a a power play from his wife. I think it's an absolute power play from his wife. Sometimes the wife wears the pants. Sometimes my brother-in-law told me that a week ago. He said, hey, your sister wears the pants here. She makes a lot of decisions. I said, great. You know, happy wife, happy life. If If the wife is controlling part of the narrative and Sierra wants to come to Vegas to be the next Celine Dion and work in the Planet Hollywood Theater four four nights a week and then dress up in sequence and go to the Allegiant Stadium to watch a game. I can't control any of that. I wouldn't do the deal. But Russell Wilson is picking Las Vegas as one of the the teams. It looks like that relationship is really fraying with Seattle because now the media is involved. And as long as Russell Wilson doesn't start saying, hey – you know, I'm kicking the tires, but I really love Seattle, or I want to be a Seahawk for life, everybody has the right to assume that he wants out of there quick. And if he wants out of there quick and Deshaun Watson wants out of there quick, then this quarterback carousel has slowed down, but it hasn't come to a stop. The teams that seem most interested in Derek Carr as a trade partner, in my mind, would be New England, because Derek Carr would make New England instantly a really good playoff team with Belichick. Chicago, it's a major market. I think that Derek could handle the media in that major market, and it would be a tremendous upgrade, so Chicago would love him, and his buddy Khalil Mack, one of his best friends, is already there. And then the other choice as a trade partner for Derek Carr would be Miami, because Miami would get an elite quarterback, and there'd be a lot of trade value still available, and Miami's got all these pieces. I wouldn't want to see Derek leave Las Vegas under any circumstance this upcoming year. I don't think it'd be good for Derek to go to the Jets for Sam Darnold. That makes no sense to me. And the Cowboys, where Dak Prescott, that's a story that is bubbling up big time because he's going to get franchise tagged, and he doesn't want to be franchise tagged. He wants a long-term contract, and he might move off of Dallas. So this isn't going away, everybody. It's not going away. Okay, I don't think that Derek Carr should be involved in any of the rumors, But when Russell Wilson says Las Vegas, Derek puts on his big boy pants. He can handle this topic. He's very secure. And then when it comes to Deshaun Watson, I don't think there's a fit there. And I think Deshaun Watson clearly wants to go to another market other than Las Vegas. So that's the monologue as we open up the show. You got Russell Wilson and you got J.J. Watt off the table. Things are moving fast. I have a lot of confidence in John Gruden and Mike Mayock because I know him. And I think they are pivoting and they're doing whatever they need to do. I believe that the focus of the organization with Gus Bradley is to quickly rebuild the defense. And the biggest decision that's being made in Henderson in the facility is, do they give up draft picks to go get proven defensive players or do they take specific players in the draft? I talked to someone pretty high up this weekend outside the Raiders organization I said, what do you think about the Raiders? What do you think they need to do? He said, well, they can't, they can't afford to sit where they used to sit and say they're going to take the best player available. That ship has sailed. You can't take the best player available. The Raiders have to target specific assassins on the defensive line and in the secondary who are ready to play. They're either elite players in the draft or they have these players targeted in trades or free agency. So it's not about, hey, you're sitting there in the first round. Who's available? Hey, man, there's that guy. Quiddy's pretty good. He's an edge rusher. That cornerback's pretty good. Who's better? I don't know. Take the best player. No, no, no. No more. The Raiders have to be laser-focused on who they're going to take. they got to know in the building right now who exactly they want. It could be Yannick Ngakwe off the edge. It could be Leonard Williams. It could be Richard Sherman. It could be whoever. And then with free agency coming in the draft – the Raiders have to pounce like a tiger on a prey, and they have to quickly get their player and take him off the table. And I don't think that player was J.J. Watt. So I'm not freaking out that they didn't get J.J. Watt. I'm just wondering why J.J. Watt chose Arizona over Las Vegas, because they're pretty similar teams. Mark and Henderson, start us off. Mark, how are you? Hey,
1: how you doing, J.T.? Great, Mark. Great, man. Great monologue, man. That was Excellent. Man, I, I'm really upset with how the organization is. I know you like John, John and, and, and Mike. You know, I, I like them, too. I just don't understand the direction they're going with the team. Now, if you look at J.J. Watt, why not go to Arizona? Arizona, the it comes to getting to the playoffs, they got uh, Chandler Jones on one side and him in the middle, or he could play D-N, too. I mean, they're going to raise havoc on, on the, the division. And, and they got another guy that's really making me mad. I love this guy. Brinson Buckner. He's a D-line mm-hmm. coach. We have him. He was improving our DI coach. We get rid of him and now we regress. I mean, I'm looking at their stats. They had 48 sacks last year. It's double what the Raiders have. So I, I don't understand what Mike and John are doing. They, they're, they're not drafting well the, the last year, uh, last two years, really, because our first rounds haven't panned out except so Josh Jacobs. Also, they need to trade back that 17th pick, get more second round and third round picks so you can load up on that. Well, let me stop you there.
0: Let me stop you there. What the hell are second and third round picks going to do for the Raiders? What 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 do you want to do? What do you want to do do with second and third round picks? You just said they haven't been drafting well, and now you want to move back. Hold on. Hold on. You want to move back off an impact player at 17. You're going to get an impact player at 17 if you draft the right player, and you want to move back and take shots at second and third round picks that you just told me they're not drafting well. Why not use? Why don't you trade the second and third round pick, or 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 move back like you're saying, and then package those picks and get someone in a trade that you know can play? Oh, oh I agree with that, JT. I'm just looking at the big.
1: I'm just looking at the big picture here as they want to get draft capital and get some guys that can play uh, in the second and third round because there's guys there. If this is going to try to get somebody at 17, we don't, there's no guarantee this guy's going to be impact. We got we the guy at the, number four. And we could have dropped the guy at number five who won the Super Bowl. So just think about uh, the way they go about what they're doing, and I just don't understand the direction they're going as far as fringe, the fringe and draft. So this is a big year. It's four, n- number four. This is a huge pressure year. I, I wish uh, Mark Davis would say something, put some pressure on John, but he won't do it. I mean, nobody, he's not even accountable. John's not even going to count. Nobody says anything about John, John Gruden, and what he's doing with the organization. I mean, they should be a lot better right now. Just with the draft capital they had in the past. That's all I'm saying, JT. I'm, I'm just saying, what direction are the Raiders going to go? I know Gus is coming in to uh, uh, change the defense, which that's a good start. But who's gonna, what players are we going to have? They've got to go out in free agency. They've got to get draft capital. That's all I'm saying, JT. Great show. Yeah, Love you, I appreciate man. appreciate it. And, uh, talk to you later.
0: Yeah, first off, I don't know anybody more accountable than John Gruden. How many times has John Gruden, before the post-game show, goes to me? The post-game show comes to me. Brent Musburger says goodnight, and then they flip it to me. And then I open up the post-game show, and the first thing we do is go to John Gruden, who takes a beating by himself if they lose. So so what's this John Gruden's not accountable in the organization? John Gruden got a 10-year deal because he was a bleeping rock star. They had to bring him out of ESPN and Monday Night Football. Mark Davis wanted him for a long time. Jack Del Rio was fine, friend of the show. John Gruden became available. He got a great deal for himself and his family. And he came in there, and he's trying to win. And he's busting his ass. I don't know of a coach. And again, I'm not in the building with Bill Belichick. But I'm in the building with John Gruden the first time and this time when we're able to see each other. You don't know of a human being. You don't know of a human being who works harder than John Gruden. You don't. You don't know one coach in your lifetime that wakes up when he wakes up, gets to the building, stays as late as he does, works his ass off as hard as that guy. Now, he gets judged with wins and losses. So when he gets judged with wins and losses, if he loses games – he doesn't hide. He comes on television. He comes on radio. He meets with the press on Zooms right in front of him. He doesn't send out his GM. He doesn't send out his coaches. He does all the media. Then he goes and does all the media with the other teams. And then he does national media. So when people say that John Gruden isn't accountable, you're out of your bleeping mind. Go rip him for his win-loss record. Say that, hey, he won a Super Bowl. What's he done? Look at his overall career record. If you're not a fan of Gruden, speak your mind. But don't give me any garbage that he's not accountable. And, and he, you know, what, what does the organization think? And Mark's got to come down on him. Mark wanted him. Him and Mark are friends. They work together. Mark is the boss. He brought him in for the reason. And they recruited and built a new stadium and facility. And I think Gruden is, is grinding as hard as the Gruden grinder has ever worked before. I'm fascinated by this stuff. You don't have to like anybody. You don't have to like me. You don't have to like Gruden. You don't have to like Trent Brown. You don't have to like anybody. Whoever you like or don't like is none of my business. Just be accurate when you criticize that said individual. Just be accurate. And if you're accurate on it, you can talk as long as you want on the radio. What a Monday. Former Raider receiver Johnny Morant from the Q's will join us, once a Raider, always a Raider, brought to you by the Henderson Hyundai Superstore. Double tight ends, power formation. Here comes Jacobs, right side angle with a block. 10, 5, out of bounds, reaching for the pylon. Touchdown is the call. It was very close on the right side, but it was Jacobs going airborne for what right now has been called a touchdown. Brent Musburger, the godfather on the call, and thoughts go out to Brent today as he lost his very good friend Irv Cross from the NFL today, uh, the first African-American full-time sports broadcaster. Think of that for a second, Irv Cross, the former Ram and Eagle went on to great success as a broadcaster, was Brent Musburger's partner, along with Philip George and Jimmy the Greek. He passed away over the weekend at the age of 81. And the voice of the Raiders, Brent Musburger, put out an eloquent and fantastic tweet on their friendship. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Former Raider wide receiver from the Cuse. Loved him at the Qs. Johnny Moran. Johnny, thanks for doing this. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Really good. Thanks for doing this. And I remember, yeah, I remember your story first from high school, then going to Syracuse and watching Syracuse games. I went to college in upstate New York. And after I left and watched you play, and then you came to the Raiders. I want to start off with your early life. And what was it like born in Newark and the area that you grew up in before Parsippany High School? Because you were one of the greatest high school wide receivers in the country. When you came yep. out, who taught you how to be a young football player?
1: Um, I think, <laughs> good
2: question. I mean, coming from Newark, you know, playing street, like playing street football with your cousins and stuff, because I grew up with a big family. So we was always outside throwing the football, running around, playing tag and stuff. So I guess I can I'd say my family helped me out with that. And then um, we actually moved from Newark, New Jersey, and moved to our Sydney for better education because mm-hmm. North wasn't you know wasn't a good school system and then um uh, another thing a friend of mine got me into playing pop uh, PV football and then I was just I was I would say it was a little natural I worked I worked on it I went to a bunch of training facilities and everything just improved my skills it helped me out a bunch of trainers
0: outstanding you know I want to stay with one thing you said getting out of Newark. You know, I'm from New York and Long Island, and when you have the backdrop in New York City and you could see New York City in the distance and someone in your family cared enough to say, hey, we got to get out of here for a better education. I'm sure that was a big moment in your life, a great decision that got you on the success train.
2: Yes. um, The truth was I was actually getting in trouble in school. Okay. And then, um, yeah, I was getting in trouble, and my dad said, I mean, the, the environment wasn't great, so we had to leave, pretty much. So I'm glad my dad made that decision to move us out of North New Jersey because Johnny, Mor- you know, who knows where I would have been, you know.
0: Appreciate you sharing that. It's a big – you know, we make a lot of connections with young parents and kids who are listening and those who listen on the Raiders Team podcast. And I was, always like to talk about the early journey. Johnny Moran, who ended up going to Syracuse. So what was the recruiting process, going to Syracuse – you know, Donovan McNabb, before that, Jim Brown, Larry Zonka, Ernie Davis, the program of the Qs, and you know how passionate those fans are. When you got there, what was it like the Syracuse years?
2: I mean, it was great. It was the Big East when the Big East, you know? So I, yeah. I knew I was going into a great conference playing against Miami, so Virginia Tech at the time. Um, and, you know, they, we had pretty good seasons, you know, Um the atmosphere, the carrier dome, it gets so loud in there and the fans just love it, you know? And I love coming out in the carrier dome, you know? So I appreciate it that well. And, and, um and I love, and I love Paul Pasolini and George DeLeon. I thought they was like right. two, two good coaches, you know? So that's why I, I chose Syracuse, you know, pretty much.
0: You had Thinking a great career at Syracuse. You're a hell of a player at Syracuse. So give me the Al Davis story. I ask everybody, once a Raider, always a Raider. You come out, Al Davis, the Raiders love speed receivers. You go in the fifth round there, and you've made a lot of big plays. Your highlight reel, I remember, was big coming out of college. What was that first conversation like when you landed with the silver and black?
2: Oh, it was great. Um, We had our first practice, right? And Al Davis came out on the field, and he knew – Everything about me, my stats, I was like, I can't believe this. He knew what games I played, how many yards I caught, how many balls I caught. I was like, I can't believe he knows all this. With all these players on the squad, you know, doing football camp and stuff. And and I walked up to him, and he just had a great conversation. He was telling me everything about me I forgot about. (laughs) That's one of my great stories. He had his mind. It was so great, you know. He had a great mind.
0: Yeah, Al Davis, a Syracuse legend on top of it. I'm sure he loved you just for those conversations. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Johnny Moran joins us. So you came in after the era of the Super Bowl, right after the Super Bowl loss, and Tim Brown and Jerry Rice and some of the other receivers that were there before you. What was the culture like when you came to the Raiders in 2004? Because just recently, year, year and a half before that, they're playing in the AFC Championship game and in the Super Bowl. Yes.
2: It you know what? Um that was amazing. I was Because I was there with um Rich Gannon, all those guys that played in the Super Bowl. It was like Rich mm-hmm. Gannon, Tim Brown, um, Jerry Rice. Uh it was I was like star struck. And um and I thought I, I thought it's gonna be the same situation. We're gonna keep moving on, you know. But um things ended up in going that ended up that way, but I mean, it was a great experience being around those guys, playing around just a bunch of Hall of Famers, you know. Charles Woods yeah. and all those guys, you know. It was great feeling. Great feeling. Yeah,
0: and Charles is in, Charles is in the Hall of Fame, going yeah. in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm sure you're excited to be a teammate of his. Johnny Morant's yeah. our guest. Johnny, what have you been doing with your life? You're still young. I know you had a taste of coaching. And uh, what's your goals? What's the next chapter of your career? What's going on?
2: Oh, um, Right now, um, I have a uh, – Right now, just a
0: bunch of things, pretty
2: much. You know, um, I'm running the gym, pretty much mm-hmm. um, uh, um, called Driven Driven Fitness, and um, just trying to. I have a son that plays at Michigan, so. Oh you know, wow! Especially-
0: whoa, 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 whoa! Tell me about that. You got a son who plays at Michigan? That's incredible! Mm-hmm. That what an honor that is, huh?
2: Yeah, that's great. I tried to give him a go to Syracuse, but he was like, No, but you know <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to do his own thing, you wanna be his own man, stuff. So. um Um yeah, he's a redshirt freshman this year. He plays safety. Um he played for Bergen Catholic
0: in New Jersey. Well a school, wow. That that's yeah. tremendous success. So you're gonna be the dad once COVID's over, you're gonna go watch your son play in the big house and live that yeah. part of your life. What a dream that is, huh?
2: Yeah, which is nice, you know any chance to watch him like being a stand sometimes you know just seeing him play mm. yeah so i'm definitely looking forward for that and then uh my dream i'm trying I'm training athletes you know that mm. want to make it because i want to train kids the way i was trained but
0: you know yeah stuff like that all, all different types of things that's how i feel when i wake awesome. up awesome you know <laughs> a- absolutely we hope to see you in vegas i know you got the legacy break oh, from mark yeah. davis how cool was that Oh,
2: that's awesome. Man, I'd ask for another one, you know, because my dad he <laughs> didn't want to give it back to me.
0: So, <laughs> you got go to go take it. You got go to go get a picture with your dad and your son at the new stadium out here. Wait till you see the stadium and you come to the games. Johnny, I'm up against it, but I really appreciate you making time oh, for man. us. And no, we can't wait to you see you out here in Vegas. Yes, I will. I'll get in touch with you. I'm here. Thank you. Appreciate right, it. Thank my you. pleasure. Thank you very much. Johnny Morant. What a career he had at Syracuse. Came to the Raiders from 2004 to 2006, then seven when he was released. And he came in and he gave it a shot, played four seasons for the team before he was released in 2007 and, you know, made the team every year and was a guy who could make plays. And his college career was exceptional. And I'm really happy that he gave us his time. And it sounds like he's living his dream. His son's going son's gonna to play safety at Michigan. And Johnny Morant is – If my numbers are right, 39 years old. 39 years old. He'll be 40 in December, and he's got a son who redshirted at Michigan. So he's got a great life in front of him. When we come back, Mark Anderson will join us from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, his biweekly Monday hit, one of the best journalists here in town. We'll find out what's happening in Vegas. I got a lot to say on March 1st. I'm going to get very sentimental this month. This is when it all started with COVID. And sports started to be canceled right here in this window. And we're talking to some big newsmakers this week. Brought to you by Remy Martin. The owner of the Knights, Bill Foley, and Chris Powell from the Speedway. we got a big week lined up. Middleton, downhill drive, Giannis to the rim, slam it! Bucks lead by three. Wow, what big steps you take, young man. What a night for Giannis last night in the NBA. Good NBA game, Lakers and the crushing of the Warriors. And every couple of weeks we get to speak to the big man. 15 years in the NBA on Raider Nation Radio today. Olden Polonies. Kind enough to join us. And, Olden, you just heard that sound. By, let's talk about the supposable wall that's built in the playoffs to stop Giannis in the regular season. He's an MVP. And in the playoffs, there's still this wall. How do you see him beating the wall?
3: Well, it, it was the blueprint that Toronto showed the league. You know, um, when he puts the ball down, rotating the guy over and you know on his blind side and so teams have gotten away you know away with doing that so which is fine and again regular season you know if we always say this you know they should give the awards once the whole season is over because you know he's won two two mvps but then he's getting bounced in the playoffs so you know he's a great player but teams have found a way. He's going to get his points during the regular season, of course. But when it's the playoff time and they get a chance to lock in, I think that's when you'll really see that wall. And so until he starts knocking down consistent jumpers or just decide, you know, hey, I'm going to go down low, something like that, he's going to have some some problems. But he's, he's still a great player. But, you know, he's going to have to get that monkey off his back, which is to win a title.
0: Yeah, I'm fascinated by this topic because you're a rim protector with great athletic skills, and when you see a guy with him standing out by the three-point line, if he's not your responsibility to go out and guard him, if it's the four, you're playing the five, or whatever it is, and someone like Rudy Gobert is staying underneath protecting the rim, I mean, if you double-team him... At the top of the key, he's got to get rid of the basketball or shoot a long-distance jumper. I would rather just plant his ass on the low block. If he runs through a screen, nothing's there, then have him reset on the low block in man-to-man coverage and get him a bounce pass so he can operate going up against another big man. Is that the answer for him to get away from that wall?
3: I, I Well... Again, he's going to have to knock down open shots. And the wall is going to be there because of the rotation. Okay. So it, it doesn't matter where he is. They, they're they're going to send. They, if he's on the low block, they'll send a double team. I, he's just going to have to do everything a lot quicker. But if any, if I'm coaching any team in the league, I'm letting to shoot threes. I don't care. You're not Steph Curry. You're not Clay Thompson. So I don't care. I would plant myself in the paint, and say, go ahead, shoot. I don't care if he makes the first five (laughs) because it's not going to matter. You know, he can't continuously do it. So that's what you got to do. You got to force him to shoot outside shots, send him to the line because he struggles at the line, and that's pretty much it. But if Giannis wants to really dominate guys, he's going to have to be a lot more, decisive in a lot of stuff that he does.
0: I love that. I love what you just said there. He's got to be more decisive, even though he's a locomotive. And isn't that, Holden, why Kevin Durant is so brilliant? Because he can hit that long-range three. He's smooth from the outside, and he could beat you off the dribble and get to the front of the rim pretty quickly.
3: Oh, definitely. Um, I I did something once, and I asked someone, I asked a bunch of people, you know, who's the only guy? You know that, and you know that could score. Like if you said score thirty points, you know in like many different ways. Kevin Durant's the only one that can do it. Like if you say, okay, grab the ball and dribble down the court and score, he can do it. All three pointers, he can average thirty. Post ups, he can have. That's what he's the only guy that could do it in multiple ways. I mean, he he he's just an amazing player, and so that's what he's able to do, and so. And, again, that's what makes him Kevin Durant. You know, these other guys, uh, Giannis, he can't be Kevin Durant. He just doesn't have the skill set. But everybody, you know, it's kind of like someone, you know, they said um, Steph Curry ruined the NBA with the threes. Everybody wants to shoot threes now. (laughs) That's where we are.
0: Yeah, I'm noticing Olden Polonies is our guest. LeBron's shooting threes at 35.2. Last year, 34.8. There's a 33.9. His best year was 2017-18 in Cleveland, he shot at a 36.7 clip, and then he had a 40.3-point percentage, 40.6 one year when he was with Miami. Do you like the way LeBron is now balancing that outside game? Because you played against Magic, and what about Magic? Early in his career, he didn't have the three. Late in his career, he became a better shooter. Guys evolve into better shooters near the end of their career, right? Well, they become better shooters. The only one I remember...
3: That that did it well was Kevin McHale, and you know being low post, low post his whole career, and then he became an outside shooter. And so again, I don't mind guys shooting threes, but there's a difference between making a three point shot and being a three point shooter. And I think that's where a lot of guys get confused. You know, they it's like they knock one or two down. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a three point shooter. No, you're not. You just made a three-point shot. And so that's why people just have to be honest with themselves. Now, you you mentioned LeBron. If if guys are really scouting, you know, it's easy to just stop that three because he looks down right before he shoots it. <laughs> Which is oh, like the weirdest thing. Why would you look down? But he always looks down at the floor right before he raises up for his three.
0: Luka Doncic in your mind. Uh, Doncic or Harden? with the better step back. I think it's Harden because he's been doing it longer, but I see this Luca step back, Euro, whatever he does, when he jabs to the middle and then steps back, and the range he has from in front of the three and outside the three, it's just brilliant for a young kid who who is just going to get so much better once he gets to become a better shooter in the NBA. I'm just fascinated every time I see see him play Holden.
3: Oh, I am too. He's one of my favorites, and – I, I watched him play overseas right before the draft. I, I said this. If if any one of these general managers had enough testicular fortitude, they would have picked him number one because that's how good he was playing over there and especially with the way the game has changed and to your point about the step back, I think he eventually will have probably a better step back than all these guys because you got to remember he. He just turned 22? And it's like, yeah. this is ridiculous that he's doing it at such a young age. And what I would like to see from Luca Doncic is just to get it in better shape. If he could just drop about 15 pounds, he would be on
0: Fifteen, but doesn't he have to have some meat on him to get in the low post and go That's down the lane and protect he's himself? Not twenty-five. I want to look at that the next time. Is doable. Olden Polonese joins us. Hey, Olden, you played in the game 15 years. When fans say Utah's not getting enough respect, Utah's not getting enough. Well, Donovan Mitchell answered that in a post game, and he's hearing it, and his teammates are hearing it. What does Utah have to do? They're the only team with more than 25 wins, they have 27. They seem to be the best team in basketball. Do you respect their ability right now to win a championship?
3: Um, that's a great question. I like a little bit about where they are, but I, I'm not sold on them winning a title. Again, when it's a seven-game series and everything slows down, things change. Your psyche change. And so, to me, I'm I'm still not sold on Utah. Now, with people, you know, not giving them respect, they need to go to, you know, back in time a little bit and try to be like the jazz of Stockton and Malone, Jerry Sloan. It's like they didn't care what you thought about them. They just went out there and played and kept winning. And so they should not worry about, you know, what's going on on the outside. It's like just keep winning games. You're going to get the respect if you keep winning games. Who cares what people are saying?
0: Olden Polonies as we wrap it up. Olden, finally, we're coming up on that one-year anniversary for most people when it comes to sports and COVID, when we started shutting down college basketball and then everything tumbled after that. Adam Silver really wants to go on with this NBA All-Star game. Do you think it's right? Because part of me says it's too risky to get all these guys traveling and do it. But then the second part of me says if we're going to open up the country and we're going to do more and more and more so we can get butts in the seats – We need to just encourage everybody to play all their games, show up, be safe, and then build on it. Where do you stand with the All Star Game? Uh, For
3: this year, just the fact that they've compacted into one day, I think it's doable. You know, uh, Adam Silver and the NBA—they are really good at all this stuff. So, um, if it had been like you know the, the normal Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would say no. But since they like doing it all in one day, I think it'll be cool. But again, this is 50 factions of America. It's not the United States of America. It's 50 factions. It's like every state has different rules and different components. And so it's like you get confused. You know, the only thing that's consistent is is the virus. Everything else is all over the place.
0: Finally, is the best parties, the NBA All-Star Weekend parties, or the guys who don't go that get away, do they really go to Cancun? Do they really go to Vegas? Like, when you have time off, don't you want to relax? Or does everybody just get on private jets and say, hey, we got a couple of days. We don't have to do anything. Let's go have fun. What was it like back in the day?
3: Well, well, back then, the parties were much better. They were classier and much better. Then all of a sudden, things evolved. It became really just... Ugh, just nasty, but um, <laughs> guys did go away on vacation with their families and relax. But you know we didn't have a lot more, a lot of time like they have now. Now they really can get get away because yeah. they they've given them more days. So this game has gotten a lot easier. So these guys better, you know, keep it up, play hard because the the rules have changed for these guys. You know, they've made it a lot more conducive to play longer. And yet we see more people get hurt, which is crazy. (laughs) But, you know, it is what it is. But All-Star Weekend should be a fun time. You know, I don't know how it's going to be this year. I hope everybody stays safe. I hope it's a great show.
0: And, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Stay safe, Alden. Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk to you. All right. Thank you, Olden. Olden Polonese, one of my favorite guests. That was brought to you by Bell Solar, our new sponsor, an amazing company you can trust. The solar industry is booming, and the income potential is huge.